0: My parents have been married for 55 years, and uh, he was preaching when they met. My mother always said that, he, that she was attracted to him for his singing, but yesterday she confessed, but I won't use her exact words, that he's more fun when he's preaching. <laughs> Coincidentally, he is preaching about finding joy this morning. This is my dad, John Free. And I'll repeat myself, Lynn and I are happy to be with you today. We are thankful for this congregation of the church, and especially thankful for the way in which you've received our son and daughter-in-law, Doug and Carissa, and their two children, Ellie and Jack. I'm having to deal with a bit of a cold today, uh, but I've always had the experience before when this has been the case that if the Lord wanted me to give a message, he'd provide the voice. So uh, here's hoping that the Lord uh, approves of what I have to say today. Uh, If my voice goes completely away, then maybe he didn't want me to say it after all. (laughs) About uh, four, four and a half years ago, my wife and I were privileged to uh, take a tour of England, Wales and Scotland with Jerry Rushford, um, who is a colleague at Pepperdine University. Um, it's, his tour is referred to as a literary and hymns tour um, but most of it had to do with hymns and uh, during the period of time that we were on that tour with him we sang, um, if I recall correctly uh, 232 different hymns uh, in various places in, in that Tendary period of time one of the places we visited was the village of Olney in England, uh, better known as the home of John Newton who composed that great hymn, Amazing Grace. John Newton had a colleague that worked with him um, in the composition of hymns named William Cooper. Uh, And one of the hymns that he composed, it's the third hymn in the Olney Hymns hymnal, is, O oh, Love That Wilt Not Let Me Go. Um, William Cooper was a, was a man who dealt with mental illness for the better part of his life. He suffered from severe depression, um, often plotting to cast himself into a river or by some means taking his own life. But each time, something interfered. Um, and, and part, of, part of the challenge that he had was that he just couldn't believe that someone would love him. He went to stay with a couple, Mary and John Unwin, uh, intending to stay for two weeks. He stayed 22 years. During that period of time, shortly after he'd gone to live with them, uh, Mr. Unwin passed away. Mary continued to care for John. She was somewhat older than he, but over time he he grew to love her very dearly and even proposed marriage to her and she agreed. But then he broke it off and they never married. In that song, there's a line that he says Where's the blessedness I knew when first I saw the Lord? Where's the soul-refreshing view of Jesus and his word? He composed those lines when Mary Unwin was ill and he despaired that she might uh, pass away. Uh, I'm sure you've all heard those lines, but there are some other lines that he composed in that song that we normally don't sing. And these are those These are those words. What peaceful hours I once enjoyed. How sweet their memories still. But they have left an aching void the world can never fill. Return, O holy dove. Return, sweet messenger of rest. I hate the sins that made thee mourn and drove thee from my breast. Quite often, joy is lost when people lose hope. When people come to believe that maybe no one can really love them. Perhaps they have been rejected for some reason or another by someone who loved them or at least valued them or wanted them. And hope and joy is especially lost when people come to believe that not even God. Could love them and that seemed to be part of Cooper's experience how could God love such a one as me and yet his neighbor who lived about as far as I am from the house across the street John Newton composed those marvelous words in the song Amazing Grace how sweet the sound uh, Newton, who had been a slave trader, uh, who had imported people from Africa to England to uh, be slaves, uh, he composed those wonderful lines in in a third floor room in a house that could be seen from where um, William Cooper composed these words, and toward the end of his life. Cooper was in such despair that even though he would help John Newton to compose a hymn to go with each of the sermons that he preached, Cooper wouldn't go to church to hear him preach that last year. So what are the sources of joy? What is this thing we call joy? Um, Years ago, I had a teacher who said in class one day, I think there's kind of two two places that people occupy in life emotionally one is joy the other is dread and he went on to illustrate that a little bit by saying maybe we can think of joy and dread in terms of past present and future if if i am if i am experiencing joy with regard to the past i look upon my past with satisfaction i can I can feel good about my past. And in the present, I can I can experience happiness, I can experience pleasure. I can experience the love of a child or the love of a mate. And for the future, I can I can look to the future with great expectation. With hope, with assurance that my life will end in some way that is very, very good and that life really won't end at death but will continue. But for the person who experiences dread, dread of the past, the fear that their past will, will catch up with them, the fear that, that their sins cannot be forgiven, that they've committed the unpardonable sin, as it were. and and for the present, anxiety, and for the future, uh, fear and dread. God wants us to experience joy, and God wants us to believe that our future will be filled with joy, that our present can be characterized by joy, and that the past the sins of the past are forgiven, and that God will treat us just as well as he treated his own son when he raised him from the dead and exalted him to heaven's throne. I, I just want to share a few passages with you in the moments that we have. One of these is from Luke chapter 15. Um, Now the tax collectors and sinners were all drawing near to him and the pharisees and the scribes grumbled saying this man receives sinners and eats with them so he told them this parable what man of you having a hundred sheep if he's lost one of them does not leave the 99 in the open country and go after the one who is lost until he finds it and when he finds it he lays it on his shoulders rejoicing And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and his neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep that was lost. Just so, I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who need no repentance. Now notice the way Jesus phrased that. There will be more joy in heaven over the one who has repented and the one that's been found than over the 99 that didn't need repentance to me that tells me that heaven is a place of joy heaven is a place of pure joy and heaven is a place where even people like William Cooper who had a hard time believing that anybody could love him will finally and fully experience that God does love him or her however sinful he may he or she may have been provided he simply turns turns towards Jesus turns towards that love another passage of scripture This theme is that joy comes from hearing and believing the good news. Now, try try and place yourself in the position of a couple of women described in Matthew 28. Now, after the Sabbath, toward the dawn of the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary, what do we know about Mary Magdalene? She was the woman from whom Jesus had cast out evil spirits, seven of them. Uh, a deeply troubled soul. Mary Magdalene, the other men, Mary, went to, the, went to see the sepulcher. And behold, there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone and sat upon it. His appearance was like lightning, his raiment white as snow. Lo, I've told you. So they departed quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy and ran to tell his disciples. Do you take news, good news, as an occasion for joy? As some reason to celebrate? If you hear that another child, a grandchild or a great grandchild is on the way, do you celebrate? We've got seven grandkids and eight great-grandkids. We sometimes wonder about that family of six if they need another one, but maybe they do. These two ladies experienced both fear. Not many of us see an angel, and not many of us have an angel talking to us where we really hear a voice, but they experienced both fear and great joy. Psalms 51 is one of those great passages of Scripture that, that David composed after his encounter with Nathan the prophet who said to Nathan concerning a story that, or said to David concerning the story about the little ewe lamb, you are the man, convicting David of his sin of conspiracy and murder of Uriah, a Hittite, whose wife David had taken. David wrote these words, Purge me with hyssop and I shall be clean. Wash me and I shall be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones that you have broken rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence and take not your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me with a willing spirit. Notice the way in which David prays that the joy of the Lord will be restored to him. Here's a man who was terribly guilty. Terribly guilty. A man whom God had favored his entire life. Taking him from being the the shepherd of real sheep to being the shepherd of his people Israel. And David had betrayed it. And yet, He believed that in repentance and in a change of his own heart, God would replace within him the joy of the Lord. Joy comes also, I believe, from following the example of Christ. Hebrews chapter 12 is a favorite passage of mine. Here are the first two verses. was jesus happy about going to the cross it doesn't sound like it when he prayed father take this cup from me if it be your will nevertheless not my will but yours be done or when jesus was in agony in the garden and sweating like great drops of blood falling from his face and his brow was jesus happy to endure the th- the scourging that literally tore the flesh from his back oh I don't think that would make anybody happy but for the joy that was set before him he endured it all and what was that joy about I think that joy was about bringing many sons to glory bringing many children into the presence of the Father to dwell with them forever. Joy also comes from suffering. A number of years ago, I used to teach a class uh, at uh, Pepperdine on ministerial counseling. And one of the books that I have um, typically assigned the students to read is Victor Frankl's little book, Man's Search for Meaning and in that in that book one of the statements that he makes is that meaning in life is one of the essential needs that every human being experiences and then in another place in that book he says that meaning in life can be experienced in at least one if not three different ways doing a deed experiencing a value and suffering Suffering. When I began my work in ministry years ago, back in the 1960s it was, I was a chaplain at the Los Angeles County General Hospital for a couple of years. And there was a patient who came into the hospital, a young man who had been diagnosed with valley fever. Um, it's a fever that, that is very contagious, The bacteria for which is, the virus for which is carried in the soil. While he was admitted, when he was admitted into the hospital, he was also diagnosed with uh, a, a viral infection in his spine. And then, on top of that, they discovered that there was a fracture in his spine. And so they put him in a cast that reached from his arm down to his knees with with a rod between his knees. And he had to lay in that cast for approximately six months. When they finally took the cast off, he could no longer walk because the muscles of his legs had atrophied so much that he had no strength in them at all. So he had to go through physical therapy in order to learn to walk again. Eventually, he was discharged from the hospital and, and I had the privilege of driving him home. And, uh, uh, but there was something about this young man that really touched me because every time I walked into his room and greeted him, he greeted me with a smile. He was always happy to see me. I I think there might have been one day where he didn't muster a smile, but but all the rest of the time he had a smile. How do people do that? I've seen a lot of suffering in my time. Some people suffer with bitterness, but others, others count it joy to suffer especially if they can suffer as a christian first peter chapter 1 says something about this blessed be the god and father of our lord jesus christ by his great mercy we've been, am- been born anew to a living hope through the resurrection of jesus christ from the dead and to an inheritance which is imperishable, undefiled, unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you rejoice, though now for a little while you may have to suffer various trials, so that the genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold, which which though perishable, is tested by fire, may redound to praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. And let me just emphasize these last verses. Without having seen him, you love him. Though you do not now see him, you believe in him and rejoice with unutterable and exalted joy. As the outcome of your faith you obtain the salvation of your souls. And now just some concluding verses. Third John chapter 4. No greater joy can I have than this, to hear that my children follow the truth. Those of you who are parents and grandparents, I, I trust can really relate to those words. Or from Romans chapter 14, verse 17, For the kingdom of God is not food and drink, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Or from Galatians chapter 5, verse 22 and 23, The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. From Romans chapter 15. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound in hope. And then finally, some more words from Peter. Whoever desires to love life and see good days, let him keep his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit. Let him turn away from evil and do good. Let him seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous in his prayers, and his ears are open to their prayers. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. And then the text that was read uh, before our message this morning. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full or complete. Would you join with me in prayer? Father, fill our hearts and our minds and even our flesh with the joy of heaven. May it be that not one of us dread our past, our present, or our future, but that we rejoice with the joy that is a mark of the Holy Spirit, that is a gift of the kingdom of heaven, that is the product of realizing, knowing, and believing the love that you have for us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If as we sing the next song, there's one or more of you that would like to respond, To this message in any way, one of the elders, Brother Stewart, will be at the front of the auditorium. I understand that others may be at the rear. Feel free to approach any one of the elders of this congregation with the needs that are on your heart. Let's stand and sing.